for the title. Got it. Good snap. The hold is down. It's long enough. It is good. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Today's guest is associated with one of the more successful high school football programs in South Dakota. He was an all-state football player in Mobridge, and he played football at the University of South Dakota. He then coached high school football, wound up in a winner, and led them to three state titles and one runner-up finish. Now, in the 40 years of South Dakota high school football playoffs, the Winter Warriors have made 17 final appearances and have won nine titles. He was the Warrior coach for 17 years. He had a record of 171, 56, and 4. And he's also in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. He's Harvey Nyes. And Harvey, welcome to In Play. It's great to talk to you today. It's always great to talk to you. Now, you were an All-State football player at Mobridge. So what success did you have at Mobridge for your football career? When I was a junior, we did, I think we won three games. Then our senior year, we had a, uh, we won, uh, I think we were, back then, we went 9-0. and And uh, we were good football players. Uh, we had big in the line, had some talent in the backfield. But uh, there's probably another reason. Uh, when I graduated, I was 19. But there were six guys older than I was, all between 19 and 20. And, of course, you're eligible until you reach the age of 20. So we were playing against uh, guys 14, 15 years old, and we're shaving once a day. <laughs> who, is, who is your coach? Oh, our uh, co- excellent uh, coach, Bert Dent. And uh, we would have gone to, to war for old Bert. And, hmm. uh, he, was just, he was outstanding. Now, this would have been in the uh, mid-50s, right, if I uh, right, recall? Right. Uh, would have been the uh, football season of 1957. Did you play any other sports when you were at uh, Mowbridge in oh, high yeah, school? We were uh, back in those days. Uh, it was football, basketball, and track, and we did all of them. Uh, played basketball, and most of our offense was run around two guys. And my job was to get in the corner until they shoot and then crash the boards. <laughs> After graduation, though, you went on to the University of South Dakota. You know, what moved you to play football for the Coyotes? I know your brother Howard played for the Coyotes. We were back in kind of the dark ages. I remember one year we had less than 40 people on our squad. And uh, we played as hard as we could. And we just weren't very talented. But we always won at least one game. I, one, of, one of those years, I forget which one it was, we didn't win our last game until we went out to play the Colorado team and won that one, or, or we would have lost them all, but we, we pulled it out at the end. And our last game of a career was down in Beaumont, uh, Texas, and uh, we got thumped down there too. Ralph Stewart, I think, was the coach uh, for the Coyotes until about 1962 when Bob Burns took over for a year. But it was basically about a 500 record while you were at USD playing football. Bob Burns, uh, as you know, excellent coach, a great guy to be around. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, unless he was ticked at you, then it was not nice to be around. <laughs> Uh, what's the biggest memory you have uh, playing home games at the old Inman Field there at the University of South Dakota? We played Drake one night, and it, was, it rained, and it rained. But we had an, an offense, and we, wedge, we just, the lineman went foot to foot, and we would just go straight ahead, and the quarterback would hand the ball off to the halfback right behind us, and uh, we were up, I think, 14 to nothing, but um, we blew it at the end. And I always remember that game, and because uh, it was because of the conditions and one of those games that we should have won. And one of the games we won that year was North Dakota State. And uh, the next year, of course, North Dakota State started their run, and uh, they weren't as tough as they are now, of course, but. Uh, they were probably so embarrassed by losing to us that they decided to uh, to get tougher. <laughs> when did you get the idea that you wanted to coach football? Uh, in the seventh grade, when uh, my brother Howard was was a coach, and I remember I always remember this: the teacher went around the room and we had to stand up and tell everybody what we wanted to do. And I stood up and said, "I want to be a football coach like my brother." Hmm. And uh, I, I don't regret it one bit. Yeah, Howard was at uh, Rapid City Central for a long time. He was a football coach there. I think he coached also at Mitchell for a while. I, I would assume you guys had some great coaching conversations. Yeah, yeah, we did. And uh, Howard was in the service and played on the camp football team. And when I remember uh, we sent a letter and said, we uh, scrimmage the University of Louisville. And they got a little skinny kid, but he could really throw the ball. Well, it was Johnny Unitas. Oh, nice. You know, after USD, you coached at Gettysburg and Custer and Gregory. What were those uh, seven years like? Because you were at Gettysburg for, what, two, Custer for a year, Gregory for four. Right. What was it like uh, as a young coach? And what, what was it like those seven oh, years? Nerve-wracking, but fun. Uh, I remember when we went to Gettysburg, I had this, thing in my mind. I'm going to coach here a couple of years and then go here and here and so on. Well, probably should have stayed at Gettysburg a little bit longer because <laughs> in Custer, we weren't very good. Then uh, went to Gregory and the gorillas like to play football. And uh, we were had a great time there and had some good athletes there. And, uh, winter was our big rivalry, but uh, at that time, winter was struggling a little bit, and we were able to win them. And but uh, the Gregory kids, tough. Um, one of the guys by the name of Dave Passion, Nebraska wanted him in the worst way, but they would have redshirted him. And with him, the game was a thing, and he would have not liked it. Hmm. And uh, so he wound up going to Northern and uh, was signed by the Browns as a free agent. Uh, and he was the second to the last back cut by the Browns at their ball camp. How did you find out about the winter football job opening? And what interested you in that winter football program? Since Gregory's 26 miles from winter, and we played him every year. And uh, our basketball coach, Lyle Russman, go over and we'd scout winter. And he'd come home and he'd say, uh, 
boy, they're not very good, but I think there's some talent there. So uh, back in those days, you played 10 games. Well, well, we'll always be eight and two, seven and three. So I was still young, maybe a little foolish. Said, okay, let's see if we – the winter job opened up, and uh, we applied, and we're lucky to get it. What was that first game that you coached winner against Gregory? What was that like? Oh, it was uh, pretty intense. But uh, our first year winner, we had a good offensive line. And uh, we handled them, I wouldn't say easy, but it, w- it wasn't real close. And I don't know, uh, I did hear a few uh, funny calls from the sidelines. <laughs> it, was, it was that Gregory. <laughs> but the game that sticks out with the winner Gregory thing, Okay, we were undefeated. We had one game left at Gregory. We, we dressed at home because it's only 25 miles. And uh, we got on the bus. And from winter to Gregory, there was not a word spoken in the team bus. You could have heard a pin drop. And our fans, they lined up behind, well, not behind the bus, but they lined up later. And they all came in a group. We're out on the field there warming up, and all of a sudden we could hear them coming. And uh got noisy, and we were able to win. We had three sons on that team. Then Bart, the oldest one, senior. Then Brian, sophomore. And Brad was a freshman. And uh, we had some good athletes. We were able to win. Winner is pretty famous for running the football, at least smash-mouth football. Did you run that type of offense before you got to winner? Uh, yes, because I was uh, heard where when you throw the ball, three things can happen, and two of them are bad. <laughs> but but we, we do throw the ball a lot in warm-ups. <laughs> and, uh, and that was about it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I have this philosophy. I'm passing the ball. If you're going to throw the ball, get it downfield. Don't throw those little five-yard team passes out to the side. Because, again, you know, sometimes kids drop them or it's a bad pass or uh, the defender does the job. But So if you're going to throw the ball, go downfield. And uh, the pass that um, people still will come up and talk to us about is that first year of the championship game down in Vermillion, first play of the game, we threw a 70-yard bomb and, and uh, we ran the off tackle really tough. And I remember playing at Lennox one year. This is the third quarter, and we hadn't thrown the ball. And I could hear their coach yelling, watch the pass, watch the pass. <laughs> we hadn't passed yet. Uh, and when you were down, we're at pier. And uh, play action pass. Yeah. And uh, scored. And after the game, that peer defensive back and knew our tight end. And he went up to him and said, all week they were screaming at us, don't come up, don't come up, they'll throw it over your head. He said, well, you were killing us, that off tackle. I came up one time and then threw it over his head. <laughs> 1981, the first year of the South Dakota high school football playoffs. You did beat Vermilion 31-21. You mentioned the first play of the game. Did you decide that you were going to pass that first play? Yeah. Uh, see, we had played Vermillion earlier in the year. We beat them six to nothing. 
And I thought, well, whoever scores two touchdowns is going to win this championship game. So we played the semifinal game, I think, out in Spearfish. Riding on the bus on the way home, we had decided that that was going to happen the way it did, the first play of the game. Vermilion and Winter had uh, a great rivalry. Uh, you guys met four times in the finals. Of course, that very first championship game against Vermilion. I think you had you had two sons on your team, and your wife was from Vermilion. So right. what, what was that atmosphere like, that first state championship in 81? Oh, uh, my mother-in-law, she was kind of our scout. And, uh, she worked uh, with uh, another lady who had a son on the Vermilion team. And, of course, Karen's mom, uh, Grandma Gerard, she, uh, they were telling her, we're, we're going to watch that grandson of yours. He's not going to catch any passes against us. <laughs> well, he was a decoy. We didn't. She was right. He, uh, he said, well, he caught one pass, but he didn't catch the touchdown pass. It was a fun thing, especially since we won. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to go back to visit. Would have been a, probably not as much fun had we lost. You know, last year was the 40th anniversary of the high school football championships, and I went back and I talked to every Joe Robbie winner uh, from every game last year. And, of course, Jack Sharkey of Winner is uh, the guy that I talked to and talked about that Winner program and talked about you. And uh, Jack, uh, of course, was the MVP in that first championship win. What do you know right. the most about Jack Sharkey? Tough. Really tough. There were five brothers, I think, the Sharkey boys. And if we ever want to go to war, I'm taking those five Sharkey boys, those four now, those four Sharky boys with me because they were tough. And Jack had more speed than his brothers. And uh, the dad was a the family is great, but again, tough. They were boxers and they were just uh, the best way to describe them as tough. And Jack had speed. Your second title came in 1987. You beat Aberdeen Ron Colley 42 to 15. What do you remember about that game? Well, we knew that they had this quick running back and a big lineman. And uh, we thought that our kids were a little upset because they were getting all the publicity. And uh, that's one thing about out here. We way out here in the sticks and we sometimes we don't think we get enough respect back east. So we were going to go in there and show Ron Colley what it's all about. And our athletes will like nothing better than to play Ron Colley again. Your last title with winner was 1989. You beat Millbank 27-14. to 14. What were your thoughts on that game? Well, uh, they're going to have to stop our off-tackle. But that off-tackle play, you know, right 46 power, the tailback's going to get it. They're going to the, uh, end in the tackle double team. The one back kicks the end out. And the other back leads through the hole. But when that play starts, it could be one of four different plays. Sometimes people say, oh, he just runs that off tackle. Yeah, right. Stop it, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. Harvey, I think you only had four running plays in your whole playbook and no pass plays. Uh, how large, right. how big was that playbook? Well, it was bigger than what we used. It. <laughs> one year after the Dome game, the next week I watched the film, and we had six 
different plays that we ran in that game. But yep. again, sometimes I think today coaches make it too complicated. Just line up and block, run hard, and they keep blocking, and then <laughs> tackle them. It's pretty simple when you really get down to it. And I think today, if a team, uh, I don't care what level, would come out and double tight ends and just run the ball, block it hard, because during the week, everybody's all spread out all year long, and the opponents aren't used to playing that kind of a defense to stop the run with two tight ends and full house backfield. In fact, our team this year, we have a the old Burdell Copland full house team. How early do the kids and winners start going through those plays? Uh, they're learning these plays oh, well before they get to high school. They start learning the offense or knowing about the offense when they're in junior high. And uh, some of them, if they have older brothers, they know about it before then. Uh, we play Bears for Friday. That'll be a good game. But there'll be a better game behind that game because up in the practice area, uh, it was our parking area, and uh, right behind that uh, is our practice field, and there'll be uh, 50, 60 kids having a heck of a ball game back there. You know, Winner won the title in 1989, but uh, you know what? Uh, the next six times Winner was in the Dome, they lost those championship games, but you know what? They lost to some really good teams. It was Vermilion and West Central and Del Rapids. Uh, what was it like during that time? I mean, it was like 1990 until almost 2008 uh, that Winner didn't win a yeah, state title. Was, right. I mean, uh, it was a little upsetting, but uh, there were some excellent teams. And our son, Brian, was coached a couple of those games, I think. The first one was that triple overtime with uh, West Central. 20 to 14. And, uh, that, that, was, uh, that was probably the, the hardest one to lose. but. We just ran into some good teams and played hard. We always tell them, okay, don't worry about the scoreboard. Just block and play as hard as you can. So when you get up the next morning and you look in the mirror, you can uh, feel good about yourself because you played as hard as you could. And you do that and the scoreboard will take care of itself. Well, it's 2009, and Winner moves to Class B. And since then, right. Harvey, Winner has won six football titles, including uh, the last two with uh, Bridgewater Emery Ethan. Doesn't matter which class, yeah. things just keep going for Winner, don't you? Just keep winning football games. Right. Uh, well, the story is, when they did this, it divided and put it in different classes and districts and whatnot, one of the guys that helped to divide it. After they got done, he looked at the sheet and he says, we've created a monster. And they said, what are you talking about? He said, take a look at this. He says, take a look at 11B. He says, the monster is winner. Because, you know, unless the wheels completely fall off, we're going to be competitive every year. Although our schedule hasn't been the best in recent years, but this year it's been toughened up. We got Beersford, we got West Central, at Tri Valley. That's a tough schedule. Take their down a little bit, and uh, there's a couple other ones that might be decent. Well, the home field for the Warriors, uh, you play at Frank Leahy Field, right? No, we play about a half a block from it. The, Leahy Bowl. Is, that's the baseball park. That's, that's correct. We, just, uh, we built uh, a football field. We moved the football field from out west to where it is now. 
And uh, two years ago, a group of officials in Sioux Falls came and did our, one of our games. And they talked to our son afterwards. They said, what a facility. Because the field is down low. And then, of course, there's the stadium. And then we're all the football fans, all four or 500 of them, where they'll park up above and you're looking down on the field. It's a beautiful atmosphere. There's a lot more people there than there is in the stadium. Frank Leahy, by the way, did graduate from Winter High and, of course, then played and coached right. at Notre Dame. Did you ever get a chance to meet Frank Leahy? No. You know, he passed away back in 1973, a long time ago already. Yeah. He was never back. Uh, I think it's been, it was quite a while since he was back. What led you to step away as the head coach of Winter, Harvey? Oh, I had some medical issues, and see, I'm my own worst enemy. You know, I worry about the weather, worry about kids getting sick and all that kind of stuff. And and we had a had a good young coach, uh, Russ Harder. He was all ready to go, and so uh, decided to let some of the other guys have have all the fun. Yeah, Russ Harder was the coach for a while, and then your son Brian was the head coach for winter. What was right. that like watching your son coach the team that you had? Oh, it was, uh, it was good. And, uh, told him when he took the job, I said, Hey, if you need another coach, I can help. I'll coach the offensive line for you. There's no way in hell so, <laughs> that took care of that. <laughs> well, from Brian Nas to even Dan Aker and current coach Trent Olson, the Warriors, right just don't miss a beat, always near the top of their class in football. Why is that, Harvey? Okay, like one of our seniors last year, I was up there watching practice and I heard him tell others, hey, us seniors, we don't want to be remembered as the class that broke tradition. So they're going to play hard because, again, they don't want to be the one that didn't lose. And someday it's going to happen, of course. Again, we're a long way from the river, I mean, uh, 30 miles or so, so we can't go to the river all the time. There aren't any, there's no Walmart, there's no mall, so nothing else to do. But uh, come to winter athletics and football is big. Where were you in 2009? State football final, winter six, Tri-Valley six. Winner calls a timeout with 4.3 seconds to go. It's at the Tri-Valley 43-yard line, and then the Hail Mary. Wannenberg yep. from midfield, throwing to Horseman, who tipped it at the five-yard line into the hands of Jake Nodell, who runs into the end zone with no time left. Where were you on the Hail Mary play? I was in the stands. and You could tell as soon as the ball was in the air, Nodell and there was another back. I forget which one it was. They were both open. And so, well, if the ball is, unless it hits the ground, one of these two guys is going to get it. And then uh, Orson did uh, tip it up. And if if that goes in overtime, we're in trouble because they got that big bruising fullback. And it, we, I don't think we can keep out of the end zone on four plays. And then it will be up whether we can score. Would you have called for the Hail Mary? <laughs> If you were coaching. Oh, uh, that's, I did, yeah, Aker did a good thing. Yeah. He, he uh, waited and let the clock run down. And uh, he knew that if we don't make it, we'll go into overtime. So 
probably, yeah, we probably, we, we did score a Hail Mary when we played Canton. Our mayor, Jordy Brozick, uh, caught the pass right before <laughs> halftime in the end zone. Are you still mowing the football field? In yep. In fact, I got to do it tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. Do you have a specific routine on how you mow the winter football field? Oh, yeah. we uh, There's three different uh, ways we do it. Like across the field, two different ways, and up and down. And, and then the practice area, that's the big area, but it's so hot now. The grass isn't growing very much around the area. But, no, I enjoy that. I grew up on a farm. Mowing hay was my favorite job. And I pretend like I'm back on the farm. And, we get a brand new uh, riding mower from Grocery Government every uh, every spring. <laughs> we use it all summer, and then we, uh, they come and get it in the fall. And then the next spring, we'll get another brand new one. I want to talk about your brother, Howard. He's also yes. in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. He was a football coach for 11 years and was an athletic director at Rapid City Central. Um, Howard was your older brother. Did he have any advice for you when you said you were going to get into coaching? Uh, not really. Not, oh, if uh, all of a sudden there's a lot of flags, uh, you, you have penalties, they just yell out there, yell at the official. <laughs> <laughs> Let them know that you're around. And uh, <laughs> always ask him who it was on. So I, I, I did that. Well, he was an athletic director. You were an athletic director. Uh, coaching and administration r- ran in the Nas family, with even with your sons. Yeah, and then I uh, have a grandson, uh, one coach, assistant coach at Lincoln, and the other one uh, is coaching from Pierre. And, of course, they've been fairly successful, and uh, he parades his rings around occasionally, <laughs> one uh, up in Pierre. <laughs> Well, you're in the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. You're in the National High School Athletic Coaches Association Hall of Fame. You're in the South Dakota High School Coaches Hall of Fame and the South Dakota Football Coaches Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you, Harvey? Well, I haven't really thought about it. It just means, first of all, okay, you got a picture of our uh, grandsons, and they've all got one of my rings I gave them. And uh, Jerry Miller organized this picture at, at the, the Hall of Fame banquet. And uh, I think that gives me the most pleasure. I, it's sitting right by my easy chair. I look over and I see that. It's just a, a good feeling. And uh, I also feel, well, I must have done something right. And it's also a good feeling when all the old former players come up and talk to you and reminisce. And sometimes I don't recognize them. <laughs> It's just uh, overall a, a good feeling and uh, can't wait to uh, watch Beer and Lincoln play. Yeah, two more for you, Harvey. What are you most proud of when it comes to the history of winter warrior football? Turning the program around. Okay, this is going to sound not uh, terrible, but they weren't with a darn. And they had the talent. And... uh our first practice was without pads. And one of the assistant coaches said, I had to tone down our, our athletes. They kept wanting to hit each other. You know, and they, all we had on was helmets. And one of our assistant coaches said, we've hit harder today than we did all last year. 
I guess I guess that makes me proud, and it's continued on. And winter, uh, unless they put us in Class A or Class Double A, we're, uh, we're going to be contenders every year. Final question for you, Harvey. What advice do you have today for the high school football coaches and the young coaches coming up and wanting to coach high school football? Okay, the title coach comes with something. Work at it. My pet peeve is having coaches talking, well, we talked about that. You had better done more than talk about it. And uh, I think too many of our young coaches, truthfully, aren't putting in the time. Uh, Not all of them, but some of them like the title of coach, but they don't want to do the work. So, And keep it simple. The worst thing in the world, when I'd fire a coach uh, a drop of a hat if he did this, have your kids come out of the huddle, get on the line of scrimmage, and they're confused. If that happens, that's not their fault. That's your fault. And it better not happen. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Programs such as this are only possible to the continued support of our listeners like you. For South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Craig Maddock. Join us again on the next episode of In Play.